0: We're going to start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 will be the verse we'll intro with, be kind of our jumping off point for this new series. read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 26 and 27. It says this, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for... God, that you are powerful, that you are mighty, that you are wonderful, God, that you are everything that we need in this life. God, the things of this world are fleeting. God, they're empty. Father, God, I pray that we see the value and the beauty in who you are. God, whether we're here this morning or watching online, God, I pray that we would grab a hold of and just be in awe of who you are. God, that we would not take this time for granted, not take you for granted. Father, I just pray that you speak to us through your word this morning. We love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So, church, this morning we're going to kind of step into a new series that I've called The Way We Walk. And this study, the idea of this is, uh, you know, be a little different than what we did going through the book of. I walked verse by verse, what we would call more exegetical look at the, the text and the words and that type of thing, where this is a little more topical, hopefully a little practical for us this morning. very to the point about these things that God puts into, these common threads that we see through the Bible that teach us and point us to these ideas of spiritual disciplines. You know, and I love Paul. You know, Paul is one of my favorite people in the Bible, For one thing, because he was always very honest. But another thing is because he honored the Lord so much in his life. And what he would bring to the churches that he was leading is he would bring them the truth of God's Word and what it would be. Here, when he's writing to these people, I love Paul was always trying to connect with his audience. And we know that this Corinthian audience was a very Greek audience, and they would have been very involved in sports. And so he always, in his writings, when he's writing to these people, especially through Corinthians, we see him kind of reference these kind of athletic ideas, because he knew that they would understand the implications of this illustration, because they would know what it meant to be running. They knew what it would meant to be a fighter. Facing an opposition, and what it would to be successful in that fight or in that run, and we know that several times the Bible throughout it, whether it's with Paul or other writers, shows us an to run the race or to do these things and all this kind of this place right here as he's telling us You know that success and competition is dependent on discipline because he knew these athletes would understand for us. Maybe you don't follow athletics or you don't participate in it to some, some extent. Uh, my body is long gone from being able to be any good attack. But you know, we can all kind of understand what it means to compete. Right? And we can understand that when Paul is talking about discipline. Discipline in running. Discipline in boxing. That I discipline myself to be able to compete. He is telling us that we train and prepare for our opponent. The same way an athlete does. They train and prepare and it takes discipline. And so, Paul is his instruction, and the theme that we see through this, we see through the Bible is a call to spiritual disciplines. And so, what we're doing and what we're seeing from this time is Paul bringing us into this idea of spiritual disciplines. And I think for us that these spiritual disciplines are things that we a lot of times take for granted. They're things that maybe in church have, have felt very to do listy. And so, we kind of press back against that because I don't want that, I don't want to feel like that. But you know, if, if we can kind of find that middle ground where it's not a not a uh, an absolute thing, but something for us that we have. We need to be stepping into to truly experience and embrace God's grace. I truly believe that the disciplines that we'll kind of go through over the next nine weeks, uh, taking a break for Easter, but the next nine weeks will be for our village to truly embrace and experience the grace that God has for us, and, uh, and and especially for them, and I think even more so for us today. That that just like in their day and ours, that we have distractions and distractions. Uh, the greatest enemy of our disciplines. I really believe that in, in all aspects. I mean, you think about when you're in school or when you're at work and you have these things you need to do, but we're distracted. So we kind of put those things off until the last minute and then we're freaking out. We're, we're, we're rushing around trying to accomplish what we need to do. I remember doing a lot of online classes, the reports the night before it's due, right? And having to do an entire semester's of work in like two nights. That's not fun. But that's the kind of people we are. We get distracted, and those distractions pull us from our disciplines. And so, you know, the way that he's communicating that to us and the way that we see that in our spiritual life is that distractions rob us of experiential grace, of bringing fear, doubt, and misleading ideology kind of in control because we're prepared for the opposition. We're prepared for the competition as we face the enemy. Because the church, our world is set up to distract us. You know, and I don't know if you realize this, and this is things that over the last couple of years you kind of learn and know, but you know, there are algorithms implanted into all the media outlets that you participate in that are meant to distract you. Facebook, YouTube, all these things. You watch one YouTube video on conspiracy theories, you're going to have a 100- hundred. Theories. The next time you look, you you research a canoe online. You're on Facebook. You're going to get an ad for canoes online that are drawing your attention in, and that's what it's about. You know that's what these things are doing. They're trying to draw us into focusing in on them. And so what it does is, you know, uh, whether it's just distraction or maybe it's even fear or doubts. You know, especially in this divisive climate that we live in, you watch one video on a particular thought. You know, we think to ourselves, well, I believe these things or I know these things because this is what I know. But in a lot of ways, we have to understand that we believe and see things a certain way because that's what the the, the algorithms of these things we're participating in are throwing in front of us because we've shown interest in them. And so because of that, we have to understand that our world, Set up to distract us, and what it is distracting us from as Christians is it's distracting us from our disciplines, it's distracting us from walking and experiencing God's grace in our life because it's consuming our minds and it's robbing us not only of our time but our attention and our discipline. So, we'll spend the next nine weeks studying disciplines that help us in our walk as Christians, journey kind of through this experience and His grace and leading others in that direction. So, the first three. disciplines that kind of affect our walk with God obviously all these disciplines to some extent affect our walk with God but for these specifically, a kind of our connection, our relationship to a holy God and how that looks in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to talk about prayer. This morning, we're going to talk about prayer. And, you know, there's three questions that we ask ourselves as we navigate this. And this will kind of be our points this morning. But the first question that we ask ourselves is, why prayer? Why is prayer important? You know, for a lot of us, I feel like we see it as kind of insignificant. Um, like, really, that when we pray, it holds no immediate effects on our lives. Which I believe is is the deception that we've convinced ourselves of. Maybe some of that being the misuse of it in other Christian kind of circles of how they utilize prayer. But prayer is such a vital element in our life. Prayer itself is mentioned 406 times in the New Testament in the way that we understand it. And then prayer is all throughout the Old Testament uh, in a a different process, kind of than what we see it as, but part of their religious work. You know, uh, Martin Luther said this. He said, to be Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. That it is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Breathing. And so, what? What a hope for us that why prayer? Why is prayer important? Because prayer is so much more than the words that we say. And We see Paul uh, and Jesus even talk about that time and time again. That prayer is so much more about the words, that, uh, more than the words that we say. Prayer is a posture of living. Prayer is a way that we navigate life. Prayer is a way that we approach our circumstances. Prayer is a way we approach each other. You know, and it's, uh, it's it's for us. It's the way we align ourselves with God's will and God's way. It's not a place we go to when things are bad. It's a place we regular we go to regularly as a discipline. It's this place that we approach. It's this place that we come to. And that for us, that prayer is meant to be our reliance, and not our resource. It's meant to be this thing that we are tethered to. And a lot of times, it's been kind of presented to us, especially in Baptist circles, we're kind of afraid to be super spiritual because we feel like we're falling. So far the other way, but God has taught us into the spiritual space that involves prayer, authentic prayer, real prayer. That is so much more than just what we say. And like I said, it's not just a, it's not just a resource. It's not like a book we pull off the shelf when we need it, but it's this way that we live our life and the way that we approach God. You know, it's something that. We that we go to is a place that we are where we prepare, where we sustain, where we carry on and where we recover. It's where we acknowledge our need and we acknowledge his provision. You know, so it's so much more than what we say. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. You know, can we see? We have, and I love, I love C. S. Lewis, and I quote him a lot, and I'm kind of quote-happy today uh, because a lot of people have some really great stuff to say about prayer. But C.S. Lewis, you know, he was an atheist. He was a, he was a, he was a mind. He was very unbelievably intelligent and came to know the Lord, and he used that intelligence and in how he viewed the world to kind of share with us a little bit about who God is. But I love his, how he approaches prayer. He says it doesn't change God, but it changes me. Because we have to understand the sovereign God over all knows all, sees all. See what's going on, that I need you to step into this and take care of it. But that's not the God we serve. For one thing, our God is way more involved in our lives than that. But another thing, that our God has already seen these things play out. And so when we're praying, there, there, is a, there is a need, there is a desire for us to lean into prayer, to be communicating our needs to prayer, because that's what the Bible encourages us to do. And, and, and that's what the Bible instructs us to do, is to bring our needs, to bring our burdens, to bring our desires before God and to lift them up to Him. But understanding that in prayer, the reason we pray is more for me, that I lean down into that space and pray, and that we, these people in the Bible, He, and because in the reality of, like I said, some Christian circles use and abuse this when, you know, in our prayers we have this expectation that by faith God owes me something. But in the reality, church, God does not owe us anything. Right. God owes us nothing. He doesn't owe me wealth. He doesn't owe me happiness. He doesn't owe me success. But what he has given me, what he has given me, when we pray, what we're doing is realigning ourselves with this. What he has given me is promises. What he has given me is a guarantee of his faithfulness to his people. And that's what this book, from beginning to end, tells us about. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve would sin and God told them that if you do this, you will surely die. What happens? Does Adam and Eve eat that fruit and then God leans into that space and do they die? No. What does he do? He clothes them, he feeds them and he sends them on his way even giving them tasks to do. Our God has been faithful and graceful to us even from the beginning. And he continues to be that for us. And so, you know, the, the problem for us is that we, we have a certain view of prayer that has kind of discouraged us maybe, maybe even kind of calloused us to it, maybe even told us that it's not really worth my time or it's not that significant. But we have to understand that we don't pray for answers or actions, we pray for connection. We pray to be tethered to his strength. We pray with an understanding of his promises to his people, even in the waiting, God is working, even in the deferring, God is working. And I believe that this is where most of us will spend our time in our prayer life is in waiting, right? Because we pray for a lot of things and a lot of times we don't see those things come to be. And so we have to navigate it in one of two ways. We either, we either convince ourselves or the enemy convinces us that God. That God doesn't hear you because of the sin you struggle with or the person you've been. Or if we approach it the way that God invites us to that, we would see that maybe God has us in the waiting. And we're we're in this space because God God is working on us. He He has deferred this until a certain time ahead. You know, because I really believe in the waiting is where we spend most of our time. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord and be strong and let your heart courage. Wait for the Lord. John Piper said this, there is actually something happening while nothing is happening. God uses waiting to change us. So we can't be afraid to lean into prayer because we're afraid of the response. We have to understand every time we open our mouth towards God, God is working on us. God is using our words. God is using our hearts. God is using our honesty. God is using this space to mold us and to shape us and to make us into who he has called us to be. Even in the deferred, This is why we pray. Because remember, God doesn't owe us anything because He's already given us everything. The greatest thing He could have ever done for us is salvation and rescue through His Son Jesus and a call for us to come boldly before His throne as Hebrews 4.16 has uh, instructs us because God has invited us to that. God has, in a way that no other people before Jesus could not do, thousands and thousands of years of priests and religious leaders could not The, there are these promises that we navigate when we cry out to a holy God. And I love how Jesus led us through a kind of a model prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And I want to preach through these verses. We did a series on it last year called When You Pray. I encourage you to go through that. We'll verse by verse. But just the way that Jesus instructs us and shows us how to pray in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And so what Jesus shows us in that prayer is what we pray, which would be our second question. What do we pray? What do we pray in our prayer life? You know, in, in, in the reality for us, in the first place, I think that we begin to evaluate is to, is, is, Knowing that what we pray reveals a lot about how we view God. What we pray and how we pray uh, uh, reveals a lot about how we view God. You know, and, and for us to pray to a God we believe in, that we would be praying to a God that we have confidence in, that we believe in His promises of protection and provision, even in the midst of the storm and even when things aren't working out. You know, this is why God's word is so valuable to us. You know, we don't worship God's word, but we step in and we lean into God's word having confidence in the truth so that it communicates to us regardless of what version you use. But knowing that the, the leading into the truth of it and what God has shown us will remind us, will remind us about the God that we love, the God that we serve, the God that we're praying to. Because how? And so we have to have this view of God from Scripture, biblically, that tells us who God is and what He's doing. When we know who we're praying to, we can approach Him in ways that help us and keep us as we walk and stumble through this journey. So what kind of things do we pray? How do we pray? There are a lot of things that are... And there's a lot of things we can say about prayer. But I'm going to kind of narrow some things down first this morning. Hopefully give us some things to think about as we go through the rest of our week and navigate this space. But so for us, the question is, what kind of things are we praying when we pray? I want to give us seven things this morning really quick. The first thing is devotion. That we pray in devotion to God. Understanding who He is and what He's done. Psalm 148, 13, David would say, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted, and His majesty is above earth and heaven. That we serve and are devoted in love and understanding to be a big, mighty, awesome God. God that has called us to victory. A God that has called us to more than what this world gives to us. So we pray in devotion. The second thing that we pray is we pray in thanks to God. First Chronicles 16, 34 says, will oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So we pray in thankfulness. You know, and remember, when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about realigning our heart with who God is and what He's done. So can you imagine, especially because we live in such a pessimistic kind of world, that if we're praying constantly in thanks to God, how much is that reorienting our heart and our minds to what God has done for us? Because I think it's so easy for us to step into the spaces of our struggles and our difficulties and the things coming against us and to to convince ourselves that there is no good thing in my life nothing to be thankful for, that God is not doing anything good in my, in my life, in my family, in my workspace, with any, any aspect of my life. God is not doing anything good. But that's where we're getting off track and of where God has invited us into this space to be praying with thankfulness that we realize our hearts and understanding God's faithfulness to our lives. So not only do we pray in thankfulness, but we also pray in confession. When we pray in confession. Psalm 32 5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You know, I think this is a place for us where maybe we struggle also in praying in confession, being honest about our own sin, about our own failure, because we we believe that if I don't say it, that maybe it's not real or continue to hide it, but then it's, all, it's, it's, it's like how uh, the writer of Jeremiah, Jeremiah would say to the religious leaders, he said, you're just putting a bandage over a wound, and so underneath it, it just continues to grow, and continues to, to develop, and continues to eat away at the flesh underneath, and so what David is instructing us, and what we're invited into in prayer is a prayer of confession, and in that confession, what that does is that first off, it helps us continue to acknowledge, and I keep doing this because I he is, is that we're reminding ourselves, you know what, I am a sinner. That I do struggle, that even as a Christian, as a believer, when I put my faith in Jesus, that I navigate the flesh and what it draws me into, and that I sin. And so when I confess my sin to God in prayer, when I wake up in the morning, when I lay down in the evening, when I'm in my commute throughout the day, and I acknowledge God, and I think about God, and I say, "God, God, forgive me for this. God, forgive me for what I've done. God, forgive me for this sin that I've done. Forgive me for how I treated this person. Forgive me for the things that I said. Forgive me or forgive me for whatever I did. The thing we have to understand, it also shows us with our God, is that our God forgives. Right. That when we uncover a sin, God covers it up. When we allow God into those spaces of vulnerability, where we we'll say, God, this is a vice, this is something that's just, that's just working in my life, that we're allowing God to begin to do some work there. That we're kind of letting go of the reins and saying, God, I'm a sinner. Lord, forgive me, and then God forgives. God, in the first John's us, God is faithful and just to forgive. Amen. So he invites us into praying and confession. He also encourages us to pray for healing. Jeremiah 17, 14 says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. And like I said, I believe this is one of those things that we have seen used and abused uh, by the word of faith, kind of name and claim it type uh, religion. That, that that really is is, is very uh, dangerous for people as they navigate some of this space. But what God has called us to do is he's called us to come home boldly before his phone and pray for healing. Pray for healing in all ways. Pray for spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing, whatever it might be. That we would pray for healing, not believing that by my faith God owes me anything, but believing that God's will be done. And that I'd pray for healing. You know, a lot of people are afraid especially some of the ministers I've dealt with before, they're very skittish about praying for healing. Man, let's pray for healing. You know, somebody that has cancer, we pray for healing. God calls us to do that. And let's not pray in a way that we're doubting whether God can do it or not. Let's pray with confidence. God, I invite you to God. I want to see you do a thing that only you can do because what that's doing for us and what that's even doing for the person that we're praying to is understanding and believing that our God is bigger than us. That our God is bigger than doctors. That our God is bigger than diagnostics. God is bigger than all those things. You know? And Listen. I, I, I deal with end of life care all the time. So I have a lot of these conversations and things and I've and I've dealt with people and I've said this before, but I've dealt with people that say, you know, that are that, that their bodies are deteriorating and they just they've been grown up in these types of denominations of Christianity that tell them that if you have enough faith you'll be healed. And so then they look at me and they're asking me, Why is God not healing me? Why is God not his is it my faith? Is it, is it is it is it what something I've done wrong and you know and, and I think that's such a dangerous place for people to be. That's such a hurtful thing for people to be told their life that if your faith is good enough, then you'll be healed. And if you're not being healed, it's because your faith isn't good enough. But that's not how God works. Because we also understand that in the brokenness of our body, that even in the deferring, even in the waiting that God uses, our decline God uses these things to mold us and to shape us in the image of God, that even if our healing is deferred until the moment when we stand in glory with God, then we have confidence in His healing. Listen, and that's tough to explain because so much of us, we put so much focus in this world, and I would definitely never say that we lead with that. I don't think we lean into the space of the people hurting and say, well, God's doing, you know, a lot of times we we have issues kind of um, communicating to people who are suffering, struggling and saying what they need here. And a lot of times we want to say, well, God has a purpose in this or God's. I wouldn't suggest that for people who are suffering because they may not receive it that way. But I encourage you pray for healing because, you know, the greatest thing that we can do, even in those moments, is point people to a God that is much bigger than us. And it can at least maybe redirect their hearts and minds, and even ours, to understand that God can do those things. And then also we pray for deliverance and help. Psalm 107.8, we pray for deliverance and help. And David says this, it says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. That we would be praying to God in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our uncertainties, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of situations where we're not sure how to think about or how to navigate, that we would be praying for deliverance. And help. We also would be praying for transformation. That we should be praying for transformation. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, I think we have to, it is so, so vital that we be praying for God to be transforming us. Because if we're not praying for transformation, then we'll find ourselves conforming. We'll find ourselves conforming to things of the world. We'll find ourselves conforming to our comfort. We'll find ourselves conforming to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians, other uh, waves tossing us to and fro from other winds of doctrine. You know, there are things that can happen if we're not praying for transformation and leaning into God and realigning our hearts with God's transforming work in our lives, then we will find ourselves conforming to lesser things. So with that, the, 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 the call for us is to be praying for transformation. And then the last thing that we should be praying for, uh, definitely not the only thing or not the least thing, but the thing that we should be praying for is blessings, that God invites us to be praying for the blessings of knowing Him and living and walking in His righteousness. Philippians 1, 9-11, Paul says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all. Discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So we pray for blessings. We pray for the blessings of knowledge and discernment so that, and I love how it says that in this verse, that we would approve what is excellent And so be pure and blameless. He he calls us to pray, pray for the blessings to be able to navigate the Christian life, to be able to make the right decisions, to be able to see the things for what they are, and what God has called us to do in those things. And so, how what we should pray for those seven things, and then so then the last thing, the way we'll end this morning is the last question: How we pray? How do we pray? You know, we've talked about what we should pray, but now how do we pray? How do we practically kind of step into this in our lives? You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing, and a lot of times I think we think about that we're like, well, what does that mean? Like, how do do we pray without ceasing? You know, and so then we can kind of go back and we can kind of see, remember when we talked about it earlier, that prayer is so much more than words, that prayer is. words, but it's a way that we approach every situation in life. It's a way we approach raising our families. It's a way that we approach our relationships with our husbands and wives. It's a way that we approach our jobs and our churches and our ministries and the things that we do. But it's us. Prayer is this. Relying on God that begins all over again. Every single day as if nothing has yet been done. That prayer and how we pray is this relying on God again and again and again. You know, that because His mercies are new every morning, so we're stepping into that new space every day. And so for us, for prayer, how we pray in our lives, we practically make that application, is that the, the main thing, the most important thing, and I think it's with any discipline, whether it's something with athletics or, or something in our jobs or in our families, that it's establishing a rhythm in our lives. So that when we kind of step into those things, we create this natural engagement with God as we come from day to day and situation to situation. And so, you know, it's not necessarily stopping your day for an hour or three. I had a pastor one time tell me that he prays for three hours a day. I said, well, good for you, man, but I just don't know if I ever see myself being able to accomplish that. If I, can, if I can get some prayer in and engage God for a little, you know, uh, in a way that it feels tangible and real to me, then, then that's... Prayer that maybe isn't necessarily just shutting down life, but it's a way of engagement. It's a way where we engage God. It's a way that we think and ponder things about God as we navigate situations in our life. And I think for uh, for for us, just three, four things here, really quick that we'll see from Jesus that kind of shows us how we practically kind of engage this in different ways in our life. You know. And so these four things. The first thing being this beginning our day. That we pray by beginning our day in this way. You know, and, uh, and, and whatever that looks like. You know, um, uh, Jesus says this in Mark 1.35. He says, In rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out. This is about Jesus. And he went out to a desolate place. And then he prayed. You know, I do think, I think there's so much good about starting off our day in prayer. Now, I don't necessarily mean that you have to get up before the light. But I do think there's something important for us that before we begin to engage our day, before we begin to engage everything that's going on, that we just, even simply, I know for me personally, that I've tried to make it a habit, maybe even because, you know, uh, I'll think to myself, well, I'll pray as soon as I get out of bed. Well, sometimes it takes me just a little longer than I'd like to get out of bed than to be able to have that time to do all that. So sometimes at the moment my alarm goes off and I open my eyes. I'm to pray. God, just be with me today. You know, while I'm thinking about it, that alarm's called me. God, just, just help me to be safe. God, help me to navigate the space the way that you have just in my mind. You know, just praying and engaging God in that moment. Maybe it is getting up early, before everyone else, sitting down with your cup of coffee and praying. Maybe you don't have that luxury. Maybe you're waking up, you know, getting people dressed, and getting out the door. Hey, in that commute, as you're doing those things, that you're praying, as you're putting backpacks on kids, as you're packing them up as you're kind of doing your morning, that you're just praying and engaging God in the morning. I think there's so much beauty, and even in Jesus kind of instructing us in this, there's so much beauty about starting our day by engaging God. There's so much beauty in that and we have to do that. I think that there's so much way, there's so many ways we embrace and engage God's grace in that. The second thing, by remembering our God by remembering our God, where Jesus would say in Matthew nine six, pray then like this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. And so, uh, and, and the way that we do this, and, and how we pray in this way, I believe is how we engage God's word. And we'll talk about this a little bit more when we study, uh, when we talk about study and education later on, but. You know, how we engage God's word and we just continuously kind of bring ourselves to this mindset that our God is a big, holy, awesome, mighty God. But not only a holy, mighty, awesome God creator, but he's also our father that we pray in this manner and how we pray. And then this, the third thing this morning is by eliminating distractions. Uh, Luke 5, uh, 16, he says that he would withdraw to a desolate ple- to desolate places and pray. You know, like I said, it would be great if we were a lot of these times of, uh, of quiet, these times of, of desolate places. There's not a lot of desolate places in my house. I don't know about you, um, but, but you know, finding that just shut down space is difficult. But what I do think that we can do in the midst of our day in the midst of our travels in the midst of our commute commute is we can shut out our distractions listen if if we would truly evaluate how much time we spend doing some other things you know uh, mindlessly uh, maybe watching YouTube videos surfing through social media sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for we're just scanning We're just scanning, right? We're just swiping up and swiping up. And and it's not to obtain anything, but it's just to to engage our mind. You know, if we would think, if we would just kind of put away distractions, if we would even say, you know, from this time to this time, I'm going to set my phone down. I'm not going to look at it. You know, I always encourage people to get a hardcover Bible and not try to always do the Bible on your phone or your iPad because there's a thousand other things that we can engage with on our phone or our iPad whatever else we're reading the Bible on. So that we would kind of push those things away, that we would eliminate some of those distractions. And you listen, I'm not saying to you put your kids in a closet and lock them up so that you can have that desolate time. And so you may not be able to put those things away, but we can put away those other things that engage our minds in ways that don't contribute to this prayer lifestyle that we want to try to facilitate in our life. And then the last thing this morning is by relying and strength. In Matthew six thirteen he says, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Because I believe that we have to get in the habit of praying in a way that we're praying to be delivered from things that haven't even happened yet. So that when it hits, it prevents our feet from getting swept out from under us because we've been engaging God those things. God, you know, be with me. Be, be, give me this mindset that's constantly in reliance on you and coming after you and leaning in to you. And so... For us, I hope that we can know and kind of navigate the rest of this week, that we would be challenged. I hope that we can kind of feel a challenge this week to kind of engage in prayer, that we would kind of facilitate some of these things. We'll post some of these things online just to remind us as we kind of step into this time of prayer. But that for us, we would know that if we take anything away, it would be this, that prayer is our most vital discipline because it prepares us to step into the rest. I really believe, and that's why we started with prayer this morning, because I believe that prayer prepares us to step into the rest of the spiritual disciplines, we'll see, as we move through the next few weeks. And in a lot of ways, keeping with the kind of athletic uh, illustration, that prayers are pre-work, that prayers are post-workout, that prayers are stretching sessions, prayers are warm up prayers are cool-down to kind of discipline, to kind of bring our mindset to this idea where when we're praying, we can properly worship. When we're praying, we can properly serve our neighbor. When we're praying, we can properly study. When we're praying, we can properly engage all the other disciplines that we'll kind of talk about over the next few weeks. And so, you know, for us, that we would know... That like these things, that it keeps our hearts and our minds limber, ready to face and embrace the spiritual work ahead of us and keep us from getting burnt out, keep us from getting discouraged. Because prayer is where we begin, prayer is where we carry on, and prayer is where we end. And so for us, church, I pray that we would not limit our view of God and limit what part He plays in our prayers and that we would know that our prayers don't change God's mind towards us but our, in our situations, but what it does is that when we align ourselves and allow Him to change us. That we're engaging God as the holy provider that He is. We're engaging God as the good God, that, God and Father that He is for us and the faithfulness that He has in His people. And so like I said, in our commutes, when you're rolling out of bed, when you're stepping into difficulty, Meetings, when you're disciplining your children, when you're when you're navigating different spaces in life, when you pull in the driveway after a long day, that we would engage God. That we would, man, that we would not treat prayer as this thing that has to be the perfect situation for us to be able to engage in it. But even in the midst of the noise, that we would just be engaging God. God, thank you for today. God, protect me. God be with my spouse. God be with my children as they go to school. God, just you know, be with me as I drive from this place to this place. God be with us as we uh, go out to dinner tonight. God be with us as we navigate. God be with me as I go into this meeting. God be with me as we pray through this decision. You know, be with me. You know, just engage, you know, creating this rhythm. And listen, it's not going to be natural for us at first. It's not, and it may not ever always feel completely natural. But that we need to be intentional about creating these rhythms in our lives so that it becomes an engagement that is a part of our day-to-day, to be acknowledging Him. That, and that for us to know this, the last thing, that what is important to us is important to God, and that there's no thing that is too little or unimportant. That He calls us to bring it all and allow God to use our prayers and align our hearts with His way and His goodness. Church, let us be people who pray praying for each other, praying for our families, praying for ourselves as we navigate life, and that we would create rhythms of prayer in our life. That we be those people as we enter in and step into the spaces that God has for us. So church, let's pray together that we finish up. Father God, I just want to thank you for this morning. God, I want to thank you for the goodness of your word. God, I want to thank you for what you're doing with us here at Cross Point, God. Lord, I just want to ask you, Lord, that you would just give us the, God, just give us the mindset. God, just give us the desire, God, to give us the discipline to, Lord, to step into prayer. Lord, daily, even in this moment, God, as we stand up and step up, step out, as we begin to engage people, as we begin to, uh, Lord, pack up a year to go even here this morning, God, that the first person that we see this morning that we're already in our minds think, God, I, I pray for their good this week. God, that as we step out of these doors and we begin to travel, that God, we're engaging you. God, Lord, protect us today. God, help us to honor you today. God, help us to, be, to have a great week. God, help us, Lord, to be the people you've called us to be. God, help me to focus on you. God, help me to rid myself. Lord, take these things away from me that are tripping me up, that are, that are being stumbling blocks, Lord, for me, that are, that are causing me to sin. Lord, God, I pray that we would be a people that are engaging you in every way possible. Lord, I pray most of all that we pray because we understand that we need God, that we need your guidance, God, that we need your provision, God, that we need your goodness, God, surround us, God, we need you to guide us, God, we need you to to secure our hearts and our minds towards you, but God, because we're weak, God, help us to approach the discipline of prayer with intentions, God, help us to approach the discipline of prayer with confidence, Lord, I pray that we would be a people that pray privately. God, I pray that we would work to be a people that pray publicly with our families, with our kids, with our spouses, with the people that we engage, that have needs. God, that we wouldn't be afraid to pray for them out loud. Father God, I pray that we would just be disciplined in who we are for you, God, and that these things would not just be to-do list activities that we approach, God, but spiritual disciplines that allow us to engage your grace every day. Father, we love you. God, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' holy name. Amen.